Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's... A burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We have almost made it. The offseason is almost over. We have done all of our division previews. So today we are going to talk about our big season predictions. Which playoff teams are going to finish where? Who's going to be competitive in the major award races? Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? It's going well, Brian. I was on Danish radio to talk about Donald Trump in regards to Stephen Curry. So Ooh. that's, uh, yeah. Don't worry, I didn't have as big of a rant as I did on this podcast a couple episodes ago. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices. Just two, four, six, and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. But a little bit. I hope you bit. directed people to listen to that rant because that was pretty epic. Uh, unfortunately, I did not because the host introduced me as someone working on Beatball Breakdown, where I hmm. post approximately one article per every two years. So that's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Sarah, how's it going with you? That's good. I, I wish we could have heard more so we could learn how to swear in a different language. But oh, yeah. Yeah, more. Been fun. Next, next week, <laughs> before the season starts, we'll have a five minute Danish class on how to say all the best swear words. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we also have a special guest joining us today, none other than Matt Moore of CBS Sports. Matt, how's it going? Very well. How are you guys? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast already follows you on Twitter, but for the one person out there that does not yet, uh, let people know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Uh, you can find me at cbssports.com. Uh, I'm the lead NBA writer. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, if you like, I'm going to be doing more at, on at Matt Moore CBS this season. So like straight up analysis kind of stuff you can find there. If you want the rest of my insane ramblings, you can find me at <laughs> HP Basketball. Yes. Uh, that's good to know. That we're, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm excited to see the, the dichotomy between the two accounts this year. That'll be fun. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was talking to my editor about it, and he was like, uh, he, he was like, well, we just think you could build up the Matt Moore CBS account a little bit. And I was like, but you don't want me with the same tone as Paroxysm, right? He's like, no, no, that is not what we want. And I was like, okay, so we'll do just like a, a Jekyll and Hyde thing. And I'm a little bit worried because that could like make HP worse, and that's not something anybody wants. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm excited to try. Very good, very good. Yes, give Matt a follow at both accounts in that case. Um, so we're going to spend about 30 minutes talking about both conferences, kind of just breaking down where we expect teams to finish. For the teams that are not all that controversial, say the Golden State Warriors being good, we're not going to spend that much time on. Go back and listen to the division previews if you want more on that. We're mostly going to focus on the kind of the bottom of each playoff race and where we expect teams to finish in that range. Uh, and then after that, we will go into the awards. So let's start with the Western Conference. Uh, I think we all probably have Golden State number one. I think that's safe to say. Uh, Matt, I want to hear, you know, the, the West <laughs> went through a lot of overhaul this summer. And it, it basically hasn't stopped. You know, Carmelo Anthony recently arrived within the past couple weeks. So who do you have as the second best team in the West right now? Uh, okay, I will go... Um with Houston for the very, very right moments. I think that, that Oklahoma City, Houston, and San Antonio are likely going to finish within three games of each other, barring injury. Um, I could foresee a situation where, honestly, two of them wind up finished, and it's going to come down to head-to-head records. Like, that's a, a very reasonable, I think, scenario where one team happens to get an overtime win, and they wind up winning the season series 3-1. Uh, and that gives them an advantage uh, in tiebreaker. It comes down to conference record. These teams, are, I think, are going to be very close um, based off of what we've seen and what we know. Uh, I, for me right now, I was impressed with Houston in the preseason game. I'm obviously taking everything I see in preseason with a huge grain of salt. But right. there is, there's a real uh, chemistry and energy with Houston and a little bit more of a toughness that's kind of been brought by guys like not only Chris Paul, but P.J. Tucker, who just straight up mugged. Uh, Carmel Anthony, like he was a small child on a schoolyard the other day. Um, and, you know, Luke R- Richard Mbamute, I think, is going to bring that kind of identity. I think Trevor Ariza, when he's in that environment, will respond to that. Uh, Clint Capella continues to get bigger and better. And then you've obviously got Harden, who's still able to do all the things he's able to do offensively. They have the best combination of weapons, chemistry, and identity. So I'm going to go with them for right now. But if you told me, you know, hey, I travel back from the future, and it turns out the San Antonio or Oklahoma City made it. First, I would ask you why you brought that information back and not whether or not <laughs> we've all died in a nuclear fire. But the second right. thing is then, you know, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised at that result because of how close those teams are. Yeah, I think it's worth noting probably not only for this race, but most of them are going to be, you know, razor-thin margins. So us, us saying everything we predict in the next 30 minutes, don't take it with a – or take it with a huge grain of salt because – Things could happen and injuries will happen and inevitably shake up this whole picture anyway. But I think it's reasonable to say Houston, OKC, San Antonio are right up there in that mix. Uh, we have a Spurs fan with us today in Sarah. So, Sarah, do you do you agree with Matt that Houston right now has the edge or are you going to go pure homer and say San Antonio <laughs> number two until until further notice? Well, see, it seemed to be expected, so I feel like I didn't want to let you down. But, um, yeah, you know, I probably would have been more confident about it uh, until a few days ago. Manu kind of backed me off of that because he came out and said, look, we're not going to start full throttle. Um, 
and he's right. I mean, Kawhi, we don't know. Hopefully he's going to be ready to go by season opener, but I'm not sure what the situation is there. Tony Parker obviously isn't going to be ready. So, you know, if you remember last year, I actually did pick the Rockets second mm-hmm. uh, because I felt like the Spurs were going to start slow, and there's certainly the potential for that to happen this year. Um, but it's just interesting. Like you said, the, the West has been completely overhauled, so... You know, there's a lot of teams that are integrating new players, and the Spurs are kind of looked at as having stood pat, which, you know, they didn't really change any of their main players, but, you know, David Lee, I mean, people like to laugh about some of the role players they bring in, but David Lee was really good for them last year. He's not back. You know, Dwayne Dedman, Jonathan Simmons stepped up. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the new role players get integrated, and obviously they're down two starters at the moment so I thought I don't know I I thought last year San Antonio was really fascinating in that continuously you heard Popovich actually say on record we're not that good like he consistently (laughs) said after wins like we're not that great like we're just not playing that well and it was like you the Spurs have won five of seven Popovich says team is not that great (laughs) and what it kind of like made me realize is that there's just a very basic formula that if you play consistent and you play disciplined, and you have a superstar, you are going to win a metric ton of regular season games. And that's why, like, I won't... I'll just be honest with you. I dislike so much of the Spurs roster. Just everything from from the backup, the the rotation point guards, even when Parker gets back because of the injury and his age. Um, I like DeJounte Murray's future a lot, but he's still so young. I don't like Mills if he has to start, which he probably won't. He's fine as a backup, but even then there are limitations. Manu is a million years old. They lost Jonathan Simmons. They lost Dwayne Dedman, whose defensive metrics were through the roof. There are so many things about this team that I dislike. But they're going to find ways to beat Orlando. They're going to find ways to beat Philadelphia. They're going to find ways to beat Atlanta. And they're going to get all of those wins throughout the season, which is why I think their finish is very high. And then it comes down to whether or not, basically, can Popovich find tactical adjustments to beat teams in the playoffs like he did with Houston? And that's going to determine, I think, a lot of what their success is going to be. I, I, I resent being lumped in with Orlando and Atlanta, Matt. Let the record <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, take this with a gigantic grain of salt because my wife is a first-year resident, which basically means she is the lowest of the low on the totem pole. But, Sarah, if it makes you feel better, she says the injury that Kawhi is dealing with should not be a huge long-term deal. Like, we're not theoretically going to get an update in a week saying he's out until January, so... Mm. Hopefully he's ready by opening night, but it, even if he has to miss a couple games, I you know it sounds like he'll be ready pretty soon. Tony Parker is reportedly ahead of schedule, it sounds like. He might be back in December yep. instead of January. And then, I forget who it was, I think Michael Wright of ESPN had that piece the other day about LaMarcus Aldridge and Pop having a heart-to-heart over mm-hmm. the offseason because, you know, uh, he got thrown under the bus kind of during the playoffs and then was on the trademark block all year and it sounded like he was just unhappy for most of the summer so I'm actually pretty interested to see how Aldridge fits in and you know especially if Kawhi is forced to miss a little bit of time early in the year like if he's ready to seize the mantle of being the number one option again where he clearly was not against the Warriors because you know as we've discussed on this podcast there is a very real chance that he opts into that player option after this season so you know, it, it, it's not like th- this is probably not Lamarcus's last year in San Antonio unless they do wind up trading him. Like, if it's his choice, he's probably there for two more years. Oh boy. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, 
that's that's why I'm gonna stick with them for for being second, just because, like Matt said, somehow <laughs> it seems like if they just stick with what they know, they're gonna end up winning a bunch of games. But I don't it know is if he stays. I'll say this: I don't know if he stays next summer. Um, and the reason is, I even like the heart to heart's fine, and that's that's great. But Lamarcus just hasn't been happy, and he doesn't fit with their culture. Um, and that's maybe an extreme kind of hot take view on it. So to like put a little bit more nuance on it. Lamarcus can be invested in the things that the Spurs do and want to be a part of a great organization, but player comfort is a really big deal. Like Guys have to feel like they're comfortable in what they do and how they're operating. And the telling point for me was in his free agency pitch, the last point before he signed, he was going back to L.A. And the Spurs were so insistent on getting him that Ime Udoka got on the plane and flew <laughs> home with him. And Udoka's entire thing was, I told him, you're still going to get 25 points per game. You're still going to be that guy. Mm. Well, one, he's not. And then two, like, that tells you a lot of where Aldridge is. The fact that he had to still be told that, like, if I'm the Spurs, I honestly would have been like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Let's, let's go in a different <laughs> direction. Um, and I just think that at some point, like, Aldridge may just say, you know what, I want to go back to somewhere I'm more comfortable. And that may mm. wind up, pardon the pun, but spurring his decision to opt out next summer. I also think the Spurs could apply a huge amount of pressure because he, if he does opt out, and they're able to find a way to get off of Gasol's contract, which I still think will be doable, they're going to be a major player in one of the biggest free agency summers that we've seen, and we've seen a bunch of them lately. So. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm somewhat skeptical that, given the cap constraints, that a team will offer him more than he's going to earn on his player option next year, but maybe he wants the long-term security of a contract, even if he ends up earning slightly less on a per-year basis. It's going to be... Quite an interesting subplot with the Spurs all season. More, let's move down a little bit in the conference. I feel like all of us probably safe to say, you know, Houston, San Antonio, OKC, barring catastrophic injuries, are right. in the playoffs. Minnesota and Denver, I feel like, are pretty safely in there as well. So, what about seven and eight? Who do you have as your final two playoff teams out west? Well, I've actually flipped. A little bit because I had Utah seventh and I had the Clippers eighth. I'm sticking with Utah, but I'm actually going to swab out the Clippers from the postseason and enter in Portland instead. Mm. So because I had Portland as, as ninth when I sent you that email, so mm. I'm going to put Portland in there. But they're in that same range, the Clippers and Portland is. Um, I feel Utah. Th- th- that's a team that could disappoint, but they could also really step it up with Gobert being this alpha lead male going into being the key guy there his defense is just absurd so i wouldn't be surprised either or but yeah, i mean look it's it's a crapshoot at this point yeah i mean it's so tough to say because like all of those well i guess not portland but the clippers and utah both lost such big pieces that yeah. you know it, it's just a matter of like figuring out who's gonna adjust the fastest mm-hmm. to their new reality and it seems like, you know, the Clippers, for, again, as Matt said, it's the preseason, so don't take too much out of it. But, like, the Clippers have been fun, at least. Like, you know, Teo Dosic yep. is living up to his reputation as one of the best passers in the league already. Like, I'm loving how NBA fans who never heard of him are like, who is this guy? Yeah. Why have you never seen him? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> been watching that guy for 10 years. He's awesome. Yeah, that three-quarter court underhand pass the other night was just that was like... sick. That was just oh, pure yeah. sickness. So, yeah, like I, I have a Clippers buddy who's a, a first-year emergency medicine resident, so he hasn't seen the sun in three months, and I told him, like, go online, 
look at this clip and then order your Teodosis jersey because this guy's the truth. So <laughs> I was watching it. I was watching it on my second screen, and like I just glanced up for a second and saw it, and then like looked back at my computer and was like, "Wait, what did I just see?" And like, <laughs> like wound it back and was like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait." Um, I actually think that I think Minnesota's in there. Um, I actually think that Portland, Denver, the Clippers, Utah. Memphis. Am I forgetting somebody? Don't, no, Don't I think, think so. I think those five teams are all uh, very close to one another. Uh, I had mm-hmm. Memphis a little higher earlier, and I'm still. I may wind up going back in that direction based off of what I'm seeing in preseason. But um, in terms of being a little bit more solid, because I trust teams that have done it year after year after year. Um, mm-hmm. But. It's interesting because Denver has looked great in preseason. Portland has looked great in preseason. The Clippers have looked great in preseason. Um, Utah has looked solid in preseason. The Pelicans, everyone is kind of freaking out over the Bulls' loss the other night, which I'm like, don't ever freak out about a preseason loss. And the other thing <laughs> right. is, yeah. um, after the first half, the Pelicans were up comfortably in that game. Like it was, it was definitely one of those like you saw the starters, and the starters looked entirely different from how it got when it was it was scrub time. So. Yeah. All of those teams are really good, and so much of this is going to come down to injuries and how they perform in close games and how they do against one another. Um, this this is where the West gets really brutal because you can talk about the power of those teams at the top, and they are definitely uh, behemoths, but all of those teams are not going to be fighting for their lives. Like They're going to be pretty comfortably in, but all of these teams, every single game, and particularly the games against one another and particularly games against the West because they're going to need those conference tiebreakers, are going to be absolutely brutal. This this death gauntlet is going to be insane. Yeah, there is, like, no margin for error for any of these teams. Like, a loss to a Phoenix Suns or a Los Angeles Lakers is just going to be absolutely devastating. So it, it increases the pressure for all of them to bring their A game every night, which, you know, behooves NBA fans who are going to have a lot of great games to watch. Uh, but, Matt, you're, you're a Memphis guy at heart, so I want you to actually talk me into Memphis this year because I... I just can't buy in. So what am I missing about Memphis? Um, the last seven years. Um, <laughs> Fair. So a lot of it is this is, is well, they lost, they lost their core, the grit grind. Well, okay. Zebo was a backup power forward last year, and he was a liability in a lot of situations, even though he had a really great season last year. Like, I think Zebo is going to do awesome things for the Kings. Um, Tony Allen was great last year. Like, he shot 47% from the field, which nobody pays attention to. Like, he wasn't knocking down jumpers, but that guy still makes layups when he gets cut to the rim, uh, and that's valuable, and he's still a top-flight defender. Tony Allen was really good last year. But here's the key. Um, Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley both expanded their games in significant ways last season, and those two guys together are one of the most deadly DHO tandems that you're going to see in the league. Their dribble handoff game is an absolute murder ball to try and defend because Conley's so smart, Gasol's so smart. They're both so precise and so skilled. Conley's decision making is amongst the best in the league at point guard. Even if he's not as explosive of a scorer, he's a guy that is always going to make the right play time after time after time, and he's a gamer that he and Gasol both come back from injuries consistently. Like, they will fight to get back to play for this team. Um, Mm. Gasol expanded his three-point range last season. That obviously adds a new dimension. You look at the rest of this team, there are guys that do not really get recognized because you're like, oh, who are they? But they contribute. And that's the thing. is If you have two guys that are at an all-star level, which Mark Gasol and Mike Conley definitely are at an all-star level, all you have to do is surround them with quality talent and 
the chemistry and continuity are going to carry you a long way. Jermichael Green shot 37% from three last year. That's better than Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Okay, that's how good he is as a stretch four. He's a great rebounder, and he's versatile enough to be able to guard multiple stretch forwards in this league, and that's a pivotal position, which not every team has. So you've got plus defenders at almost every position on this team. You've also got guys like Wayne Selden is really under the radar. Zach Lowe mentioned him last week in his column, uh, and I've been kind of like quietly last season. I noticed that he came on late and then acquired a major role for a playoff team when he had not been with them, and then he looked great in preseason. That guy's building on a very young career, and I liked him at Kansas. Uh, they've got all of these contributors that are going to help them get better. Uh, they are not going to be a hype, like a hyper-efficient offense, but they are going to be more consistent and disciplined. The things that we talked about with San Antonio, they'll be more consistent and disciplined than almost all of the other teams in that bracket, including Minnesota, actually. They'll be more mm. consistent because they have both experience and continuity. That's going to help them win regular season games. Last year, they should have been the four seed. They were, in the, they were a, game, a half game out of the fourth spot on March 1st. They wound up losing games to teams like Brooklyn, which we know they're better than. They lost games to teams like Atlanta, which we know they're better than. They lost Their record versus sub-500 teams was worse than almost all the other teams in their group last year, and it cost them big time. If they're able to repair the kind of things that were problems for them in terms of focus, they're going to cruise to 45-plus wins in a mid-tier seed. There we go. Yeah, okay, I buy it. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I will officially put them back into contention with no, this, well, the rest of this death okay, well, well a- ask me why it's not going to happen. Okay, why is it not going to happen? Because <laughs> they're in the West? Yeah, they're in the West. They've, <laughs> they've never, they are starting to get that point in their uh, chemistry makeup where they've been doing this so long, it's hard for their best players to get up for these games. It's hard mm. for Marc Gasol to give effort every single night. It's hard. Mike Conley does it every, every single night. That's not an issue. Um, a lot of their guys are unproven. Like, Wayne Selden's had a nice six months. What does that really mean? Like, James Ennis has given them good minutes. But what does that really mean? All of their guys are very unproven, and they've added guys like Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore, who have reputations consistently as having bounced around because they cannot provide the kind of consistency that I just described. A major injury to Gasol, and the entire thing falls apart. A major injury to, to Mike Conley, and it falls apart into total chaos. Meanwhile, you have all of these teams that are constantly saying, Mark Gasol, if you ever want to get out of there, you only have to ask them, and we will come get you. The Grizzlies right now say that he is untouchable, but if things go to pieces, Gasol does not have a great relationship with David Fisdale. At least he didn't last season. If that does not repair itself, things could go south in a hurry. Mm, yeah, well, Lord knows Boston is there waiting to unload whatever remaining assets they have and telling every and telling every goddamn (laughs) reporter that is in the entire eastern seaboard that that is the case right exactly uh wow yeah all right uh let's move over to the eastern conference now uh matt i know on twitter you've been flirting with not putting the Cavs or boston number one do you i think you were saying toronto maybe you were toying with do you have are you going that far? Are you going to put Toronto number one, or are you going to take Cavs or Boston instead? I haven't loved how Toronto's looked in preseason, but right now, yes, I've got number one. Um, the Celtics have a lot of, of new pieces. That's hard to win with. We saw it every single time that a team has put new pieces together. The Warriors, right? The Warriors won 67 mm-hmm. games last year, but they weren't, they, weren't, they weren't amazing in that first month. There were problems. There were issues. They lost some games that they shouldn't. They looked ragged, and the reason is because they added just one major piece, which is Kevin Durant. 
the Celtics only have four guys coming back. Like, there's just a lot of things that they're going to have to figure out and change and adapt to. And they've got – they're relying on a bunch of young guys like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and um, even Marcus Smart's still inexperienced, Terry Rozier. They've got to get these guys up to speed, and they need experience to win games, and they don't have that. I think that they're they're still going to win a lot of games, but they're going to be comfortable in the playoffs. But I don't think they're going to be that great. And then, the, I mean, like the Cavaliers – they're old. They don't care about the regular season. They've never cared about the regular season. We don't know when Isaiah is going to be back. I Derek Rose is not good. Um, <laughs> all of these things are, are issues. And defensively, honestly, they were a train wreck last year, and they only upgraded one position with Jay Crowder in regards to that. So to me, Toronto's got the best combination of guys that we think we, we know we can count on um, to be able to get where they want to go. The question for them is always playoffs, which is where they turn into a pumpkin. But um, <laughs> that's kind of where I wind up landing on, on the East. Yeah, I buy that. I mean, I, I feel like any one of those top four seeds has a credible case uh, to be the number one seed. And, you know, as you said, Cleveland and Boston both have giant question marks. Toronto and Washington are both much more the we're bringing back basically the same team. So let's, you know, we'll probably hit the ground faster than the, the two top seeds and let's see how long it lasts. Uh, also, um, shout out to Norman Powell for getting a four-year $42 million deal. Uh, yesterday, I think Friday or Thursday. Sorry, um, love, 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 love that for Toronto, and it, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see. You know, if have you if the what happens or what you said could happen to Memphis if that happens to Toronto, Matt. Like, you know, yep. Demar Derozan, the Norman Powell contract frees them up to at least shop him around a little bit. Yeah, I think that that's. I would be surprised just because they've committed, like, the fan base loves him and they win games with him. But, I mean, that's what I would do. Like, I would immediately mm-hmm. be shopping to Marta Rosen. I would have been shopping him two years ago. But, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I want to know what you guys think about – is there a team that you guys can think of that could crash the top four that we could be like, wow, we did not see them coming um, and they landed in the top three or four that, that maybe we're not expecting outside of, you know, the, the traditionals are Boston, Cleveland, Washington, Toronto, because those are the four last year. And they haven't really, they haven't taken a dip any of those teams. <clears throat> Is there a team that you guys could see could maybe crash that party? Oh, yeah. Milwaukee, for sure. Mm-hmm. So much length. I mean, defensive uh, ability there. Giannis developing all the time. It, it depends on how you match up players alongside him. He needs shooters. So. Uh, and if Rashad Bond finally, that's my guy. I've been waiting for him to get a little bit more <laughs> minutes. So if he breaks out a little bit, it just becomes a rotation player. I think that just gives him another weapon from the outside that they need. But the depth and the structure that they have, I, I really am dicking Milwaukee. If I'm any team, I'm not looking forward to playing them in the playoffs at all. So I, I could I could see them coming out of nowhere. Even, you know, is it coming out of nowhere, though, when you have Giannis? Yeah, no. really. <laughs> no, I, they they would be my pick too because you know we we talked about this in the Atlantic preview. Like if Kyle Lowry gets hurt for an extended time, Toronto could plunge. And like I think it would take an injury to, you know, a LeBron James or a Kyrie or a Kyle Lowry or a John Wall. Like I I don't think if all those four seeds stay healthy that Milwaukee's going to crash the party. But I I have them like solidly as my number five i think they're you know the top four they're on their own tier i think milwaukee's on its own tier at number five and then you got six through nine is all kind of a jumble but sarah what about you do you have anyone else who you could see sneaking in there that was pretty much the same i had the bucks fifth as well i had miami sixth so 
I guess mm-hmm. if you're looking for somebody um, who would be sort of out of the ordinary, there's a situation wherein they could sneak in there. Like you said, though, it would probably have to require some kind of injury to Raptors' important players. But, I mean, there's, there's possibility for Miami to overachieve. Yeah, I, 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 I talked like, us into it. I like Milwaukee a lot. Um, I have, I've been, there's some concerns that are kind of been bugging me the last couple of weeks, and it may just be like preseason overthinking it, which I'm a chronic victim to. Um, <laughs> but one, they they are really young too, right? Like all of their, their key guys are really inexperienced. Um, uh, Rashad Vaughn, I think he had a great summer league, and he's had a good preseason. I would love to see him break out too, but I think like he's just such an unknown. You can't really count yeah. on him. Um, their defensive scheme is a concern point too because, mm-hmm. you know, if they keep with the trap, teams are going to get better and better at adjusting to that. If they adapt, are they going to be as good? Um, I think eventually they're going to pull the trigger on a Greg Monroe trade, and I'm pretty concerned that's going to make them worse because Greg Monroe – was excellent last season, uh, and that wasn't just by eye test. That was plus minus, really everything. He still has some of the pro- same problems. Everyone's like, "Well, he's still bad in pick and roll and defensively." I'm like, every center in the league at this point <laughs> is bad <laughs> in pick and roll because the guards are just a nightmare. Like, there's just too much that you have to try and maintain um, for any guy that's got that kind of size. So, um, there I, to me, it just feels like there's a lot of areas where you know if Malcolm Brogdon takes a step back. Right. If he has a bad, mm-hmm. if he has a, a regression season like we've seen sophomores take before in slumps, that really messes up what they do. Um, if Parker comes back, remember when Parker was on the floor, they were really struggling with him on the court. So if he comes back and he doesn't make them better, and then they're trying to find a trade there, that's going to cause chemistry instability. There's a lot of weird things there. I still like so many of their guys and love their formula and their uniforms, and I just think that. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this: If they're in contention for a top four seed, that means Giannis Antetokounmpo is in line for a major swath of MVP votes, um, mm-hmm. which is entirely possible and is kind of a sexy pick. But I also look at this team and I'm just like, it was also strange too. They got off to a really good start last year, and then January they just cratered, like the bottom just fell out, and they were horrible for a month. And they were able mm-hmm. to stabilize themselves and kind of get back up. And then they finished really strong to, 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 to make it into the playoffs, and they, they gave the, the Raptors such a scare in that first round. Um, but that kind of up-and-down nature is a little concerning to me. Every team's going to have up-and-downs. It's the extremity that was a little bit worrisome for me. Um, and that's why, even though I've got Milwaukee as the fifth-best team, there's still that part of me that's like, I'm not going to be shocked if all of a sudden, you know, because we've done this with Charlotte before too, where, oh, they made the playoffs last year, they've got the solid core, they've got all these good players, they'll be in, and then, then whoop, nope. Not that's that's yeah. not what happened. So um, those are the things I think that that you have to be kind of aware of. Yeah, I mean, I this might be an unpopular opinion, but I am actually higher on them because Jabari is going to be out for so long. Like, oh. I think Chris, I think Chris Middleton is a better fit next to Giannis mm. than Jabari was, and Middleton missed you know most of last season. He didn't come back till early February, which is kind of when that's right. You know. Jabari got hurt the same game, um, but I, I don't think it was a coincidence that their late season surge coincided with Middleton's return. So I think having him back for the full year, you know, I've been plugging him as a potential All Star. I think he's that good. I think he's 
gonna, you know, especially if Giannis is as good as we all think he's going to be and turns into that legit MVP candidate, like the Bucks are gonna get more national attention than they have in years past. I'm also, you know, I I don't know how much we're gonna see out of Thon, but I'm hopeful. It sounds like they're re- really really high on him as their center of the future. Howard Beck had a really good piece about him for Bleacher Report last year that made me <laughs> open my eyes and realize like, oh, they, you know, they didn't when they reached on that guy at ten. There was a reason. Like they really buy into what he brings to the table, especially next to Giannis. So if he took a big step forward this summer, you know, I, I, you're, Matt, your concerns are totally valid. Lord knows they've been shopping Greg Monroe since, like, basically the minute they signed him. John Henson's still on this team, and they just refuse to use him. So, like, there is that center logjam that they need to clear up at some point. But it's, it's honestly, A, the East is just so bad, and, like, Outside of Sarah, I have the Heat six as well, and like they are the other team that I could see, you know, crashing that top four. But like those are really the only two teams I think Milwaukee is just so comfortably in because you know what's it going to take to get in the playoffs in the East? Like I think a thirty high thirties win team is going to make the playoffs in the East. Like I, I definitely think the East is going to have at least one, if not two, teams under five hundred make the playoffs. So I think Giannis. You know, even if Brogdon takes a step back and Monroe gets traded, as long as Giannis and Milton stay healthy, uh, I, you know, I, it, it's possible. Like, things could just go to complete shit. But, like, I think those two guys are enough to stabilize. Like, I'm just trusting their talent, basically. Um, okay, so let's... more. We, We've talked Milwaukee, Miami. Let's go into the final couple seeds because we yeah, were. Yeah, I had a feeling you were going there. Yeah, because yeah, we were all yeah. we all had Charlotte comfortably in, and then news came across yeah. Thursday that Nick Batum has a torn ligament in his elbow. He's going to miss eight to twelve weeks, which puts his return, you know, optimistically early December, possibly as late as January. When we did the Southeast preview pod. A couple weeks ago, we were all saying, you know, we really like the Hornets. Mm. We like their starting mm. five, but the depth there is a concern. They have, you know, Jeremy Lamb, Malik Monk in the backcourt. So you figure one of those guys will move into the starting lineup. Well, Batum is sidelines, but outside of those two, Cody Zeller, you know, their depth is not ideal, and they just got robbed of a legit contributor. So. Do you think Charlotte is still in the playoffs with the Batum injury, or how do you see that seven, eight, nine bracket shaking out? Yeah, you're trying to you're trying to set me up a little bit. I know because you you are flabbergasted at my my pick for number eight. Oh, yeah, uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Look, so before I answer, let me just say I've been flirting with this idea for a while. You know, you guys know that I've been I've been touting Brooklyn possibly <laughs> as a playoff team, and you've been laughing at me. And fair, you know. Hey, time might come where you can just point at me for a full hour and laugh at me, and it's fine. But I decided, screw it. Brooklyn in this number eight, <laughs> Hornets out, because the the Batoon uh, injury just made it to me. That was just like the final final drop in the bucket, and I just, I had to. Uh, I had to be brave here for myself, at least. So I have Detroit at seventh, which I think is like the final team that you could consider sort of like 
playoff secure, even though I agree with you guys, like the top six ending with Miami. That's like that. Those are the six that you kind of have to put in there. And then Detroit has to almost by default be that seventh team because I'm not sure who else should go there. And then it just becomes like a shit show. And I just decided that something has to happen. I think something is about to happen, and Brooklyn is my number eight. So yeah. you're, you're basically pegging D'Angelo Russell as a top five MVP finisher. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying there's so many guy, young guys there who could do something nice. And hey, Timofey Moskov hit a three, okay? Just saying. <laughs> well, just I gotta saying. go. I'll uh, see you guys later. Um, <laughs> fun, but... <laughs> Yeah, you're not um, buying into Brooklyn at eight, Matt. Well, okay. Here's the problem: is like when when the trade went down this summer, and I was like, and everyone, and you know, the popular thing, um, mysteriously out of Boston. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of reporters <laughs> with Boston connections, or they've reported on the Celtics before, started saying, you know, the Nets could be way better than you think. They could <laughs> right. be good. They might make the playoffs. And I was like, no, this team is garbage. Stop that. This team is absolute garbage. Stop that. But here's the problem: is that I actually okay. I love their GM. I love their coach. Mm, yep. I love their. Yep. I, I love Sean Kilpatrick. I love. Sean, I love Whitehead. I love uh, Levert. I like down the line. I like Trevor Booker. Like I like all these guys. The Nets are entirely made up of dudes whose game I watch and go, oh man, I really like watching this guy. The problem is I do not like watching them together trying to win <laughs> yeah. regular season basketball <laughs> games. Because um, a lot of it is like you have to also have to think about. Uh, my test for if teams are going to make the playoffs are how many ifs do they have. That's that's how I operate is. You have to ask yourself, what do you need to have happen? And it's, well, if this happens and this happens and if this happens and if this happens. With the Nets, it's, all right, if D'Angelo Russell matures and becomes the kind of player that he's capable of being this season with an entirely new squad, uh, if all of their young guys are able to make leaps, if Jeremy Lin stays healthy and meshes with D'Angelo Russell um, – on down the line, you have all of these things where the ifs have to work out. And the other thing to keep in mind is, is with Charlotte, it's really easy to be like, well, that injury for Batum, and that opens a door. If you've got a pet team like Brooklyn, you're like, ah, ah. But you got to bear in mind, the playoffs, are realistically, the seventh seed in the, in the Eastern Conference has to win 39 games. That's it. Can Kemba Walker, with a pretty good cast around him and a really great coach, win 39 games, yeah, they can get there. They can absolutely 100% get there. The big key with Charlotte to remember is this. The only reason that team did not make the playoffs last year, they went 0-9 in games decided by three points or less. You have to actively try to lose that many games in, in close context. That's how much of an outlier that it was. Um, Dwight Howard is obviously, like, you can make an argument either way for whether that's going to help them or hurt them. He actually played well last year, but he's Dwight Howard, and that's, like, the, the, the push and pull that you have to figure out. But there's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of experience. The Nets have a lot of really good young guys, but they're young guys, and as we've talked about through these other teams, you got to have discipline and consistency in order to win regular season games. And part of it is how many teams that you look at can you say the Nets are going to be able to pick up wins here because they're better than these teams. Like, they can beat these teams consistently. That number is very low um, just because of how young and inexperienced they are. Uh, I've been low on Miami last year because I think that much of what happened last year was a fluke. And then going into this year, I thought that it was terrible the way that they gave all those dudes multi-year deals. But the more that I've actually sat down and looked at the actual talent on the roster, 
I'm kind of like, that has to be your best bet for the six. Like, that just clearly has to be the team that you put above and say, Eric Spolstra with a cast of guys who are definably NBA players. With the Nets, you have a bunch of guys who are like, that guy could be an NBA player. Like, he really could be a rotation player. (laughs) But they're still borderline, are they NBA guys at this point? And so, to me, that's like the gap between where, like, Miami is and Charlotte is and then maybe the rest of the pack. Yeah, let the record reflect. I have Brooklyn 12th, so that the, the whole podcast is not Brooklyn crazy. It's just Mort here. Uh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, but, I, I mean, I agree. I, we talked about it last week in the Atlantic. I'm also, Brook Lopez played so well last year, and he's not there. Like, they lost their best player. Jeremy Lin's no lock to stay healthy. He missed much of last year with a hamstring strain, and they just got totally derailed when he went down. You know, they, they did play almost at a 500 rate with Lynn and Lopez in the lineup, but Lynn missed like 50 plus games and they were just terrible. So they, you know, most of these teams uh, outside of the top two or three in each conference, like, yeah, if an injury hits their best player, like they're boned basically. Like if Kemba Walker goes down, Charlotte is completely screwed, but you know, you can't, you can't necessarily bank on that for like just a random guy, but because of Lynn last year, hamstring strain, soft tissue injuries tend to linger. That has me nervous a little bit. Um, Sarah, how about you? I know last week you were toying with putting <laughs> my little baby Sixers in the playoffs at number eight. Do you have, does this uh, Batum injury, did that push you over the finish line? Uh, I, you know, I just want to so much. But <laughs> yeah, I have the I have the Pistons still seventh and the Hornets still eighth at the moment. Um it's kind of like Matt said with the ifs. It's the Sixers have a good stable of talent now. Maybe more so even than a couple of the teams that I have ahead of them, but it's really young, inexperienced talent. So it's just a lot to ask. I feel like to put them in right now, but it could happen. They're right yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, if going back to the if, if you could tell me Joel Embiid is going to play fifty games at twenty five minutes a game, I think I would comfortably have them in. But I, as you guys know, I am more increasingly pessimistic about those prospects just Mm -hmm. based on what we've seen so far like he just played his first five on five scrimmage thursday the season is less than two weeks away is he going to be in game shape by the time opening night rolls around is he going to play 30 minutes a night is he going to play back to backs like he's already come out and said he's not going to play all 82 games or he doesn't expect to so you know ben simmons looks incredible uh (laughs) I, I think I, he surpassed my expectations. I'm not totally freaking out about Markel Fultz yet because it's the preseason and who cares. But, you know, all of this stuff about him tweaking his shot is uh, its at least a minor red flag. It's worth keeping an eye on heading into the year because if that lingers, uh, the Philadelphia media is not exactly the most friendly and... Uh, <laughs> the most calm and not overreactionary. So if he struggles those first couple weeks and you know his shot is off, all of a sudden there's going to be columns every day like, did Brian Colangelo screw up by sending all those picks to Boston to get Markel Fultz? Should they have taken Lonzo Ball, who's going to put up you know great per game numbers while hemorrhaging more points on defense than he scores on offense? Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of uncertainty with the Sixers. So. I, like you, Sarah, I have them um, ninth right now. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed, MB can stay healthy. And 
at least you know just for his own sake I, I, I don't even care about if the I don't care about the playoffs I just want Embiid to stay healthy like that is the number one goal this year if he stays healthy and prove he can make it through the whole season the Sixers can comfortably re-sign him and like feel good about building their future around him because if he gets hurt again you know he's going to be a restricted free agent next summer if he doesn't sign the extension in the next two weeks and it, you know that's <laughs> that's the the whole process right there. It comes down to whether Embiid can stay healthy. Uh, Matt, any final thoughts on the East? That that bottom few teams. Uh, I think there's capacity for somebody to probably surprise, just because it very rarely is there a season goes by where there's not a team that we didn't see coming, um, or a team that we thought was a complete lock just go to pieces, and not just because of injury. Like that just happens. So. Um, I keep an eye out for teams like Brooklyn, for teams like Orlando, um, who everyone is really down on, but very quietly, like Orlando's got a, Orlando has a slate of guys that I would define as NBA players. Like I look at those guys, I'm like, no, that's an NBA player, that's an NBA player, that's an NBA player. Uh, Frank Vogel's a really good coach. They were worse than they should have been last year and got a little bit better as the year went on. If Aaron Gordon's playing full-time four, uh, (laughs) that gives them a little bit, a little bit, a lot better chance to, I think, succeed. Um, they're like one or two smart trades away from actually being pretty decent. Um, and again, in the, in the East, we're still only – like that eighth seed could be 35 wins. Like it, mm-hmm. it seriously could be 35 wins, which is just such a low bar. Um, so a lot of these teams I think could get there. Chicago to me is definably the worst team in the NBA. That's pretty much obvious. Yeah. I'm, I'm not buying a lot of stock. I'm buying more Hawk stock than I was at the beginning of like when I was in maybe August. Um, Mm. They got really good coaching there, and a lot of those guys can play. If it if Dennis Schroeder wasn't their best player, I would feel really Mm. good about them. (laughs) Um, Like I like Malcolm Delaney. I thought uh, Collins. I was really impressed by the other night with the the effort and athleticism that he showed. Uh, Mike Muscala is going to get a bigger role, and he's quietly sneaky good. They got a lot of guys there that that could be pretty talented, and they're going to have options for trades, not necessarily to improve, but even if they make a long-term move, they could pick up a quality piece in return, and that could work. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on them than I was. Uh, I think the Knicks are going to be absolutely dreadful. I think they're just going to be mm-hmm. wretched. Um, I am not a Porzingis believer. Detroit's maybe the most interesting team, uh, if you want to talk about kind of on the, the bubble, because... Look, I, either this entire thing is blown up this season or they're going to go places. Um, if you told me that they were the sixth seed, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me that Stan Van Gundy is fired in February and they're, they're having a fire sale, I wouldn't be absolutely ama- amazed either. Um, just because this is it for Andre Drummond. Like Andre Drummond came into the league and he brushed off all of the concerns about his focus and intensity with a great rookie season. And since then, he's become more of the player that was kind of the M.O. of him coming out of the draft at UConn, which is... He's just a space cadet that doesn't show up night after night. And people around the team were really frustrated by him last year, and that wasn't just reflected in Zach Lowe's reporting. It was evident whenever you were around that team for any significant portion of time. You saw, like, wow, guys are really frustrated that Drummond just doesn't show up night after night. Um, When he shows up, he can destroy, but when he doesn't, it's problematic. Reggie Jackson obviously has had his career kind of fall apart despite his big contract. There's so many questions on this team, but there's also real talent. Avery Bradley's going to make them better, so... Um, Detroit, I think, is one of those teams that can swing things a lot, particularly because uh, they play in one of the softer divisions, even with two other playoff teams in it. Um, mm-hmm. You don't look at Detroit and say they can't beat Milwaukee. They, they can split with Milwaukee, and they can beat up on Chicago and Indiana 
and that's going to help them in, in terms of uh, finding some of those wins. Like Detroit, you can make an argument for a lot of teams in the East, they're better than, uh, going back to that conversation about Brooklyn. So uh, those are the kind of teams that I'm kind of on the lookout for. Philadelphia, we don't know. Like I just I can't really give an opinion on Philadelphia because I there's just too much we do not know. Like, Ben Simmons looks great in preseason. Okay, what's going to happen when teams start scheming for him? Is he able to beat that? Markel Fultz looks terrible. Okay, what if he's more comfortable in an up-and-down pace? All right, Embiid says he's not going to play the whole season. All right, but what if he plays 50? All right, but what if, you know, you said, how long is he going to be in until, you said, like, if he stays healthy. He's going to get healthy. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's just now, if he's just now starting this, he's not 100%. And you talked about game shape. Not being in game shape means that if he plays, there's an increased likelihood of injury and if you want to avoid that, that means he doesn't play at all. So with Philadelphia, I do not know where to put them. There's just too many variables for me to try and wrap my head around. That's before we get into guys like Corkmaz. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, you're not buying skinny Okafor yet? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, want, I, want such, I want such good things for him. Like, yeah. I, I just I feel, I feel bad when guys are crushed by one expectations – um, and then two situation and like he just clearly was not I, I'm writing this I'm starting work on a very long term article that's going to talk about a way to redo the draft which is not going to get implemented but part of the way that it's it's built upon is it's a two way structure where the teams are going to rank who they want and the players are going to rank the teams that they want to go to because mm-hmm. Okafor is a really ideal um, test case for why it's not just about the role you'll play or how you fit with the team. It's about the organization, the city, mm-hmm. and how you feel about being there and how that's going to impact you. I think that if, if Okafor had gone somewhere where the situation was just different, not better or worse, just different, he might be fine. Not good, fine. And his career would be in a much better place. I feel really bad for how things have worked out for Jaleel Okafor. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I still think he's going to be a adequate NBA player. It's just he went to a team that had two other centers, and he, he was never going to work with either one of those guys. So he, he needs to get out for his own sake. But I'm hoping Skinny Okafor could boost his trade value while Embiid continue. you know, whenever he isn't able to play, we can see some Skinny Ja and maybe, uh, maybe make a trade him for more than just a future second-round pick. We'll see. All right, so that will do it for our conference breakdown. Check back for part two, where we will discuss all of the big awards races for the 2017-18 NBA season. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. At ACE, we believe there's nothing better than helping kids. That's why we've been proud to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals for over 25 years. This Friday through Sunday, get our 5-gallon bucket and 20% off almost anything that fits inside when you donate $5 to support Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. And like ACE, CMN Hospitals are local, so the money you donate helps kids near you. ACE is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Offer valid at participating stores on regular price merchandise only. Additional conditions and exclusions apply. See store for details.